Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to The Cast Iron Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, you guys are just so kind. I love you all. What is going on, my peoples? It's your boy, Chef Pat Lee, here for episode two of the Cast Iron Podcast. The only podcast where you'll find history, cooking, interviews, and more. But before we get started, a couple of housekeeping items. If you'd like to see my latest videos and content, please subscribe to my TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Cooking with Pat Lee. That's Cooking with Pat Lee, all one word. Now, today's episode is special because it's being posted on Juneteenth. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, Juneteenth celebrates the official end of slavery. Now, I thought it would be a great idea to give a brief history of soul food and also give you a recipe as I make it on the fly. This is going to be an exciting one, folks. Now, if you know me, you should know that soul food means a lot to me as a chef. But where exactly does it come from? Well, in retrospect, soul food comes from humble beginnings. When you think of soul food, you think food from the heart, food made with love, and as it says in the name, food with soul. I think about the moments spent with family gathered around the table and giving thanks for the many blessings given to us. You may not have a lot, but soul food really is about being grateful for what you have. Now often, soul food and southern food get lumped together. And while some of the recipes are one and the same, the origins of soul food come from enslaved Africans who had to make with what they had. Their masters provided them with limited resources of food, which our people eventually learned how to make the best of it. Staples such as cornbread, ribs, catfish, and chicken became staples in the African-American culture. The term became popularized in the 60s and 70s. Now, when preparing for this episode, I took some sources from YouTube, some historical articles, and from my own general knowledge. And as a chef, soul food once again is a staple in my household. There's a certain love that we all have for a great piece of fried chicken or some cheesy baked, keyword baked, mac and cheese with the crispy edges. Now I grew up in New York with my family's roots coming from North Carolina. Visiting the South during the summer, my grandparents, cousins, and aunts with clean collard greens, clean chicken and fish, make mesmerizing side dishes such as potato salad, cornbread, hush puppies, and more. I always associated soul food with family and togetherness, and so I've incorporated that into my own home. Now this meal that you're about to hear comes from the heart. I'm making crispy buttermilk fried chicken, creamy mashed potatoes, roasted garlic green beans, and honey butter cornbread. Now let's not waste any more time and jump right into the recipe. All right, y'all, so we're gonna get started with our soul food meal. I'm gonna be making some crispy, crunchy buttermilk fried chicken. I'm gonna make some creamy southern mashed potatoes, roasted garlic green beans, and of course, one of my personal favorites, honey butter cornbread. Mm -mm -mm. So the first thing that we're gonna go ahead and do is get started on our potatoes. Now, I'm gonna just run some cold water because if you don't have cold water in the potatoes as you cut them, well, your potatoes kind of brown and they don't look as appealing or taste as good. So you wanna kind of do this to prevent the potatoes from oxidizing. 
cold water nice and ready and I'm gonna go ahead and start to peel my potatoes so for my potatoes I am using Yukon gold potatoes and really you can use any potato for mashed potatoes but my preference would be Yukon gold just because it comes out creamier and softer I prefer russet potatoes for french fries red potatoes for my seafood dishes and Yukon gold for mashed potatoes but again you can use any kind of potato that you want now the key to making your potatoes also is as you're starting to um, cut your potatoes up again to make sure you put them in cold water to prevent them from browning and oxidizing and also you want to cut your potatoes up evenly so this way when they boil they cook evenly too because there's nothing worse than having a couple of potatoes in your batch that are still hard and the rest are soft and it won't make a good uh, eating experience cut these down the center perfect and of course the smaller you cut the potatoes the faster they cook as well so you also want to keep that in mind as you're starting to get your potatoes ready for your um your dinner what I'm gonna do here is I'm going to get my potatoes prepped potatoes prepped first I'm gonna start to get them to boil and then once they start boiling, that's when I'm gonna start getting my chicken ready because the potatoes don't really have to, um, I'm gonna have to make the potatoes, but they don't really have to stay hot because once I get the heavy cream and the milk mixture going, that's gonna reheat the potatoes and it's gonna give you that nice, warm, creamy, soothing taste. Well, not soothing, you know, couldn't think of a word, but it'll still give you the creamy texture that you desire in a mashed potato. Gonna cut up a couple more potatoes and then we should be good to go it's gonna be one of those nice meals it's not really something that you would cook on a friday night in this household me personally um friday is the end of the work week for me and i'm usually tired and as strange as it sounds i cook monday thursday tuesday wednesday thursday pretty much every day friday is kind of a leeway day like sometimes i'll cook sometimes i'll order but I guess I felt like cooking today, especially since tomorrow is Juneteenth and I wanted to make a meal that reflects that. Now you may hear a little bit of noise in the background, but that's perfectly fine. That's what this episode of the Cast Iron Podcast is all about. You're going to hear everything. The air conditioner in the background. You'll hear me cutting the potatoes, peeling the potato, peeling the potatoes. Um, you'll hear me chopping garlic, some onions, making my mixture for my cornbread, frying the chicken. I want you to hear everything. You know, I don't feel like too many podcasts out there give you the whole experience of cooking. It's usually some chef telling you, hey, I made this recipe or hey, I seasoned my food this way. And, you know, that's cool and all, but I wanted to do something different. So I hope you're enjoying this. Yes. Okay. 
I'm gonna cut about maybe two or three more potatoes. I actually picked out some really big yellow um, gold potatoes, so this should kind of make a bigger batch of mashed potatoes. It's only three of us in the household today. Um, the oldest is actually at his grandmother's house, so lucky me, I don't have to cook a lot. But I know if I don't save him any leftovers, he's gonna be disappointed because he loves my cooking, so I definitely have to make sure I make enough for everybody. mashed potatoes is definitely one of my favorite dishes I do admit as a kid and I'll say this up front before anybody calls me bougie there's nothing wrong with eating store-bought mashed potatoes I prefer the taste of homemade mashed potatoes because I know what I can put in it and what I want to make with it you can put roasted garlic you can put sour cream and chives simple salt and pepper butter anything you want you know don't do anything crazy like make it vegan because you know duh. But anyway, yeah, you can pretty much control what you put into your potatoes if you make it from scratch. You know, to me, they just taste better. You know, call me bougie if you want, but I just prefer the taste of homemade mashed potatoes. Nine times out of 10, when I'm making food in my kitchen, I like to make everything from scratch simply, simply because it's just who I am and I feel like it's more authentic that way. But sometimes, you know, I just don't feel like cooking from scratch and I'll make something from the box, like today's cornbread. But I'll get you guys the from scratch um, cornbread recipe one day. Not that hard, actually. And it goes perfect with the cast iron if you have it. Maybe I'll do that in a future episode. Yeah, I'll do that. Give you guys a nice bread episode. Maybe I'll make some cornbread from scratch. Make some biscuits. Can make some hamburger buns. Which would be perfect for the um, the summertime, especially since you know you want to make hamburgers. You can make your chicken sandwiches. They're all purpose buns. All right, we got one more potato left. This should be perfect. And then once they start to boil, I can get started on prepping my chicken. Now, one thing about this chicken that I want y'all to keep in mind is that I have it brine. Well, I had it brining for about 24 hours. And the reason why you want to brine your chicken is because one, it helps get it tender. Nothing is worse than having a crispy piece of chicken and the chicken itself is crispy. Like I like to have my chicken skin crispy and the meat tender, juicy, flavorful. And the brining kind of helps that a bit. Now, when you brine your chicken, it's to me, it's really simple. I just put a little bit of water, some lemon juice, pickle juice and salt, cover that with some plastic wrap in a bowl for about anywhere from six hours to up to 24 hours. But I like to get maximum flavor in my chicken, so I keep mine in the fridge for 24 hours. And then simply when you're done with it, you just take it out of the bowl, drain all the excess liquid and dry off with a paper towel. And we're just about ready to get this chicken done. Well, get it set up because I am finished with my last potato. All right, perfect. Now we're just gonna cut this up into cubes. Now you won't hear any clicking from the stove because I have an electric stove, so there won't be any click, click, click like you normally would hear if it was a gas stove. 
All right. Those last bit of potatoes are done. They're sitting in the cold water and I'm about to put them on the stove. Now there's no real time limit for how long you want to cook your potatoes. I would just say just simply cook until they're all nice and soft. Not too soft, but soft enough that you can mash them with a fork. And when you're covering your potatoes with water, one thing I also want to mention is to make sure that it's not filled to the top of water. Kind of just, you know, put enough that it covers the potato barely. And this is so that way no excess water gets into your potato and it takes away from the fluffiness of it. get me a quick drink this is actually some pretty good peach lager i got it from the delaware growler on main street if you're in the neighborhood definitely check them out all right now we're going to go ahead and start the prep our chicken yep we're going to get that chicken nice and prepped First thing that I want to go ahead and do when I get my chicken prepped is I want to go ahead and cut my oil on it. I'm going to cut it on to a medium high heat. Now any oil will do for fried chicken. No, let me stop. That's actually a lie. Me personally, I prefer canola oil. I just feel like it's a higher conductor of heat. It provides a better taste to your chicken. It browns and fries it better. I mean, you can use vegetable oil, or if you're bougie and have the money, you can use peanut oil, but I prefer canola oil. It just works best for me. But anyway, what you're gonna do now is get a heavy bottom, a heavy bottom pot, and you're gonna fill it about two-thirds of the way with oil. You don't have to fill it all the way because as you start to pour the chicken pieces into your pan, the oil is gonna start to rise. And if you what happens when you kind of overheat, uh, overcrowd a pan. One, you're gonna get splashed back on the oil, which can cause a fire and we definitely don't want that. And two, if you overcrowd your chicken, they're not gonna fry all the same. It's gonna come out soggy, it's gonna come out mushy. You want nice crispy pieces. So I would advise when you're adding your chicken to the pot, simply just add about maybe two or three pieces at a time, four if you can fit it. So we've got our oil poured in our cast iron pot. Now it's time for the seasoning process. So after I've gone ahead and dried my brine chicken, I've gone ahead and added my seasoning. Now for this seasoning concoction, of course, I'm not gonna tell y'all everything because one, I got my own secrets and two, you can season it with whatever you wish. But the basis of this is salt, black pepper, orange pepper, a little bit of paprika, cayenne pepper, and garlic powder. There's other secrets in it involved as well, but you know, you decide what you want to put in your chicken. But the most important thing is that you season it. Now the first thing that you're going to go ahead and do is get your seasonings nice and mixed up. Now half of this seasoning is going to go onto the chicken and the other half is going to go onto our flour mixture. Now this ensures that not only is your chicken seasoned, but the crispy exterior is seasoned as well because nothing's worse than biting into bland chicken, trust me. 
I've had my fair share of bland chicken and it's not cool. Definitely doesn't pass the vibe check. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and liberally season this chicken. Perfect. It's nice and seasoned. Make sure you're getting underneath all of that skin. Just add a little bit more for good luck. It's gonna be amazing. I just love fried chicken, man. When I was a kid, my mom would take me to KFC, to Popeyes. When I would go down south, we go to Church's Chicken, the Bojangles, and even more recently, Chick-fil-A. Even though most of these places nowadays are all about the chicken sandwiches, but I feel like nothing just nothing beats a good, tasty piece of chicken. Just from that bite, that crunch, it's just perfect. And as I got older and started to get more into cooking, I kind of developed my own recipe for chicken. I mean, a lot of this comes from um, recipes from my grandmother and my mom, but I like to think that you know my own spin on chicken is actually pretty good, if not better. But don't tell them that I said that. Actually, you can because I'm I'm kind of the chef of the family now. But it's cool. It's cool. They know it's all love. All right. So after you get your chicken seasoned, there's two things that you want to go ahead and do right before you go ahead and add it to the flour mixture. So I like to put equal parts baking powder and equal parts cornstarch. It just helps with the crispiness of the chicken. It helps to bring that crunch to it. So what you want to do is put about a fourth teaspoon of baking powder on top of the chicken and then you want to put about a tablespoon of cornstarch and you're going to let that sit for about five or ten minutes Chicken is covered in our baking powder and our cornstarch mixture. That's definitely gonna help crisp it up and make it nice and crunchy. I mean, you can't have chicken without the crunch. Like it's, it, it should be illegal. All right. So now that we've done that, we're gonna go ahead and add our flour. Now, when you're making your chicken, one thing that I like to say is please make sure that all, all of your pieces of chicken are coated evenly in flour. There's nothing worse than having a naked piece of chicken. Unless you're making naked wings, that's perfectly fine, but we're looking for that breaded crunch, so we don't need to have any naked pieces here. I wouldn't want to have to come after you if I found out that you're making naked pieces. Just kidding, love. All that jazz. beautiful coated pieces of chicken. I'm just, I haven't even started frying the chicken yet and already, it already smells incredible. All right, now I'm gonna add my special spice blend that I initially made prior for my flour. 
Gonna add the remaining seasoning. take about another five or ten minutes to heat up now ideally when you want your chicken cooked you want to heat your oil to about 365 degrees this way once your chicken gets into that um, hot oil it can start to cook right away one thing that I've noticed that a lot of people do when they make chicken is that they'll put chicken inside of a fryer when it's not ready to be cooked and it'll cook don't get me wrong but that initial time that it sits there, the skin of the chicken is getting soggy and it's missing out on the crunch. And that's why when you get chicken, sometimes it has that rubbery bite to it because it doesn't have time to properly cook. So make sure you get the temperature to 365 degrees Fahrenheit. I want to say 165 degrees Celsius. Don't quote me on that. And if I'm right, woohoo, science. And if I'm not, oh well, I said don't quote me on it. Should have listened. And there's two ways you can really check to see if your oil is ready for frying. There's the easy way, which I usually do, is get a food thermometer and just dip it in there and it will tell you what the temperature of your oil is. Or you can simply take some chopsticks or a wooden spoon, preferably chopsticks, and you want to put that in the middle of your oil. If it starts to bubble around the wood, then you know your oil is ready for frying. Oops, almost had a naked piece of chicken and I said I didn't want that. Look at me not taking my own advice. Mm -mm -mm. And if you're curious, I'm using chicken drumsticks. I usually prefer chicken drumsticks when I'm eating homemade fried chicken. Something, I don't know, brings back good childhood memories, I guess. Of course, you can use breasts, you can use thighs, you can use, um, chicken tenders or whatever you know whatever piece of chicken you have but I just prefer drumsticks when I'm making um, buttermilk fried chicken and what's up with this chicken shortage that everybody's talking about like a lot of people say it's because of the coronavirus and all these plants that are kind of shutting down I personally personally think that it has a lot to do with um, some of these companies like Popeye's KFC and so on getting kind of greedy with this whole chicken sandwich war and of course once they start jacking up the prices with um buying the product the consumer like us eventually suffers for it but you know that's just me that's just my take on things don't take me for my word unless you think about it too so let me know all right let's go ahead and we're going to check that temperature of the chicken well sorry the oil Not 
there yet. It's at about 100 and, oh no, 210 degrees. So I'll buy another, maybe like five minutes, should do. Meantime, let's wash our hands. And what I'm going to do next is I'm going to go ahead and start getting prepped for the... What I'm going to go ahead and do next is I'm going to go ahead and get started prepping the cornbread. Now again, this isn't going to be a from scratch recipe. That's usually something I save for bigger dinners. This is something quick, something easy, something that you can just pick up and grab. Alright, so we're going to go ahead and check the temperature of our oil right now. Again, you want to make sure that it's at at least 365 degrees to make sure that it has that nice, um, even cook. Otherwise, your chicken is going to come out soggy and we don't want soggy chicken. Again, this is buttermilk fried chicken. We want it as crispy as possible. Looks like we're almost there. It's at about 260 degrees. So I'd say maybe another five minutes or so when we should get up to that temperature that we need. So while we do that, we're gonna go ahead and get our cornbread prepped. Let me just go ahead and set my temperature to 400 degrees. using the Jiffy recipe which is just simply one egg and a third cup of milk for each box and we're making two boxes so just do the math and pull up. Go ahead and add our cornbread mix. We're going to start with our first pack. second. And then as the recipe calls, one egg per box. So that's two eggs we're adding in. Okay. Get our measuring cup out and we're going to add two thirds Gonna mix it all together. Then, like with any cornbread or anything I make, I like to let it sit for a bit just to let everything kind of combine and get together. That's okay if you have a little bit of lumps in your cornbread, not too lumpy, but you want to make sure that it's as smooth as possible. But it's a box mix, so box mix, so it shouldn't take that long to mix up. Just make sure you get everything from the bottom of that pan incorporated. 
while that sits there, let's go ahead and check on our oil. It's heating up pretty quickly. When I put the thermometer inside of the oil, it went up to 300 already. So let's see if we can get to 325. Well, sorry, 365. Still not there yet. All right, give it another five minutes. Go ahead and get my pan ready for my cornbread. Now what I'm gonna go ahead and do is I'm gonna get some Crisco just to kind of lightly grease the pan so this way that cornbread doesn't stick to it. And I wanna be able to cut into it and get nice perfect pieces, not jagged pieces. If you don't want to get your hands dirty, you can simply just take a paper towel. Oops. Simply just take a paper towel. Dip a little bit into the towel, into the Crisco and then just rub it around the corners and the bottom of your pan. Alright, perfect. Now what I'm going to do now is before I put it in the oven, I'm going to pour it in the pan, even it out and just let it sit there for about five minutes. And also I'm trying to do time management here. So I kind of want everything to be ready around the same time. All right. I'm just gonna smooth this out a bit to make it nice and even. If you haven't seen that movie Life, remember the scene where the guy was like, you gonna need your cornbread? Yeah, dog, I'm eating all this cornbread. Don't ask me for any. All right. Probably just aged myself with that reference, but who cares? No culture. All right, we're gonna go ahead and check the temperature of this oil now. Oh, you can hear that. You hear that um, frying. Well, the um, bubbling up, rather. Are we at where we're supposed to be? We should be at 365 degrees, and we are. So just give it a second. You guys are going to hear that perfect sound of frying. Here we go. Yes. Beautiful. We're going to do about three pieces at a time because I want to make sure that that cooks evenly. Loving it. Alright, so while that chicken is frying, I'm going to go ahead and put my cornbread in the oven. Now you want to go according to the box recipe, so it says 15 to 20 minutes or until perfectly golden brown. Of course I use two boxes, so I'll just adjust that accordingly. 
All right, so the next thing I'm going to go ahead and do is to check on my potatoes. And all I'm going to do is take one potato out, using the slotted spoon, and dip my fork in there. And they are ready. Okay. Let me just check one more because this one's a little bigger. Yep, perfect. I'm going to go ahead and cut that oven off, or cut the stove off, and just let it sit in the water for a bit. Smells incredible in here, guys. I'm telling you. Can't wait to get, get, uh, dig in this chicken. Also, I'm going to take me a drink. One thing that you want to go ahead and do when you're making your chicken is you want to cook it for about five or six minutes first. Take it out of the oil, let it sit for five minutes, and then you want to cook it for another five minutes or until perfectly golden brown. Now the reason why you're doing this is you're kind of double cooking it. So this way it essentially cooks on the inside and then you kind of slow the cooking process down and it helps to keep that chicken nice and tender. And then afterwards, when you cook it the second time, it's going to cook it for rapid cooking. So this way you get that nice crispy skin. Now how I just explained that to y'all might not be true, but I've seen a lot of people on uh, MasterChef do it, so why not? Honestly, I wish you guys could see this. This is beautiful. Alright. Now what I like to do, and this is probably something that the ancestors probably wouldn't approve. Everybody says when you're done with your chicken, just put it on a paper towel to drain. I don't believe in that. I like to keep my chicken nice and crispy. Simply just put it on a wrap, a wire wrap rather. Alright, now we're going to take that chicken out of the foil. We're going to let that sit for five minutes. And while that's sitting, we're going to take the other chicken pieces and give them about five minutes to fry. Now once that chicken is done with its five minutes, I'm going to go ahead and put that on the oven rack and then put this chicken back in for five minutes until perfectly golden brown. And then once that chicken is done, I'm going to put the other chicken back in for another five minutes and then put the uncooked chicken in. So you see we're kind of doing this process of cook, put away, new batch in, old batch, new batch out, 
whole batch in, so this way all the chicken gets to be able to be cooked in a timely manner. Alright, so while that's getting its chance to cook a bit, let me go ahead and wash these dishes. And again, you want a clean workstation, you don't want a mess. I'm very particular about that. I do not like a messy workstation. I don't like a messy kitchen. It just throws me off completely. It's not something that I grew up on and it's not something that I'm gonna continue to do. So I'm gonna go ahead and wash these dishes and we'll, we'll be right back with the rest of the Cast Iron Podcast, Soul Food Edition. Stay tuned. Hey, what's going on? This is the cool brother Malik from the Cool Podcast, and you're listening to the Cast Iron Podcast with Chef Patrick Lee. Tune in. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Alfred Farsar Jr., the host of the Metropolitan Report, the number one New York Mets and Major League Baseball podcast in all the land. And you tune into the Cast Iron Podcast with Chef Patrick Lee because you know you can't watch baseball without something good to eat. And this is the man with all the recipes, whether you need a burger, some chicken tenders, or even a chicken sandwich. Check them out. All right, and we are back with episode two of the Cast Iron Podcast. Dishes are washed. We got that second batch of chicken already in. And we're going to go ahead and just check that internal temperature just to make sure that it is thoroughly cooked. Now, if you don't know, your chicken should be at 165 degrees. And that'll kind of give you the idea that the chicken is perfectly cooked. Just check on my corner real quick. Nope, still not done. All right, I'm gonna take a piece of this chicken out. It's looking good, looking good. Oh yeah, that chicken is done. Perfect. Alright, so let's go ahead and put that chicken on the cooling rack and we're just gonna top it off a little bit with some salt while it's still hot. is I want to get my cream started for my mashed potatoes. Alright. So I've got my pan, mother, the pot. I'm going to add a little bit of milk. Not too much. And then we're going to add our heavy cream. It shouldn't take that long to heat up 
I would say probably about five or ten minutes or so. What I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to add a couple more ingredients to my cream mixture. I'm going to add a little bit of garlic powder. Just a touch of salt. And I don't want to add too much salt because most of the salt is going to be added directly into the potatoes. And you don't want to overly salty, um, overly salty mashed potato. And then we're going to just take some freshly cracked black pepper. Add that in. And just give that a nice little stir. And we're going to wait. Alright, so our cornbread is done. Our chicken is finished. I'm just waiting for the rest of that heavy cream to kind of boil so we can start our mashed potatoes. We're going to take another quick commercial break. But when we come back, we'll go ahead and show you a special way how you can make your mashed potatoes without using a masher. I know. Shocking. But just stay tuned. I got that for you guys in a second. We'll be right back. What's up guys, Chef Pat Lee here, and I just want to let you guys know that I have a second podcast that I'm on with my boys Ronell, Remrock, and Robert. It's the Wrestling Alliance Radio Podcast. This week's episode, we talk about the rumor return of John Cena to SummerSlam, who will he be facing? The only way to find out is to tune in to the Wrestling Alliance Radio Podcast. All right, and we're back with our very final commercial break. Welcome back to the Cast Iron Podcast with yours truly, Chef Pat Lee. And we're going to go ahead and make our mashed potatoes. Yes, delicious mashed potatoes made from scratch. Now, we've got our potatoes from our pot. We're going to just simply drain that water out. Alright, now once all that water is out and drained, next part is well fairly simple make sure I get that final bit of water out guys okay so when you're making your mashed potatoes one simple thing that I like to do is to get the nice smooth creamy and you could do that with a potato masher but I actually find it much easier to use a potato ricer for that. You never heard of a potato ricer? Look it up on Amazon. But simply like like it states, it's just something to kind of rice potatoes to kind of get it to look velvety, creamy, smooth. And that's what we're gonna go ahead and do first. So we're gonna go ahead and take our potatoes, our chopped up potatoes, put them in the ricer. gonna rice that into the bowl perfect and if you get a potato ricer and you'll see it if you check out the actual um, picture of this on my Instagram page you'll just see how um, 
wonderful this comes out. And I'll post a little small video on my TikTok as well. Um, Instagram and TikTok, once again, are both cooking with Pat Lee. Um, go check my pages out. Go ahead and subscribe. You'll get one-of-a-kind content, including videos, recipes, and more. Probably do a couple of giveaways on there pretty soon also. I've done a couple already, but I think it's about time for another one. All right. So we've got our potatoes ready. All right. delicious. I'm not happy to even put it together yet. All right, just getting our last couple of pieces of chicken. Alright, so next thing that I'm going to go ahead and do is just add a little bit of salt to the actual potatoes themselves to kind of get them some seasoning. And some freshly cracked black pepper. Got some butter. using clarified butter for this and like the velvety smoothness of the potatoes but you can use regular butter if you like And the process for this isn't too tedious, but essentially you're going to take just a little bit of your cream at a time, pour it in the potatoes, and stir. And again, the potatoes may be slightly cold from sitting for a while, but that heavy cream mixed with that butter is going to help heat it right up and multiply it. Up with a nice creamy texture. You can you know, add as much or as little bit of cream as you want depending on how you actually like your potatoes. Just add a little bit more cream, a little bit more cream. Give a little stir. giving it a, a little bit of a taste to see if I need to adjust the salt and pepper. Mm. Mm. Use a little more salt. Mm. 
our potatoes are done. Our, excuse me, our potatoes are done. Cornbread is done. Chicken is almost finished. Next thing that we're going to go ahead and do is get our green beans ready. fancy it up a bit all right lastly we're going to go ahead and make our green beans um, as I said before this is just something really simple these are frozen prepackaged green beans don't worry about stressing yourself out about getting the kind that you have to kind of cut and clean yourself but we're going to go ahead and fancy this up a bit so in a separate pot what I'm going to go ahead and do is well sorry in a separate um, non-stick skillet I'm just gonna take a little bit of that grease from the chicken that I fried, put it into the skillet, and then just add a teaspoon of butter. Once that butter starts to sit, we're gonna go ahead and take those frozen green beans, put them in a pan, add some freshly chopped garlic and onion. It's gonna be beautiful, trust me. So while that's starting to melt a bit, I'm gonna go ahead and chop our onion. I know I can be a bit fancy. You'll probably see that a lot on my channel and watch it on the podcast, but I'm actually using a shallot. I feel like it's a better tasting onion and it's perfect for green beans. But of course you can use any type of onion, uh, yellow onion, red onion, uh, white onion, doesn't matter. Now here's also another fun tip if you don't want to get um, if you don't want to get that the tears rather from cutting onions, just take a wet paper towel or a slice of bread and put it next to the onion. It's going to absorb all the moisture from when you cut it. It's science, trust me. All right, you hear that oil kind of sizzling up from the pan. Let's go ahead and cut these up real quick. Nothing too fancy, just some nice little chops. Now if you want to know how many cloves of garlic that you should put inside of this dish, speak to the ancestors on that one. first because the onions take a little bit longer to cook. Um, garlic doesn't really take that long. It takes maybe about, maybe about a couple of seconds, maybe 30 seconds or so. So we'll let that cook a bit while I go ahead and cut these garlic cloves up. Get the next press. I'm using about three cloves of garlic here. 
They don't have to be chopped up too much. Just, you know, a little something, a little nice rough chop will do. in there and we're going to cook that for about five minutes because we don't want to lose that crunch and we don't want to lose that beautiful green color all right and while those green beans are cooking i'm going to go ahead And if you want to see what the plate looks like, go ahead and check my Instagram page out. Go ahead and check TikTok. Both pages are cooking with Pat Lee. If you have Twitter, my Twitter account is at Pat Lee Can Cook. That's P-A-T-L-E-E-C-A-N-C-O-O-K. Sorry, C-O-O-K. Pat Lee Can Cook. You should know that by now. getting out my ring light for the aesthetic. Got my plate out. Perfect. Tell me, when y'all see that plate, man, y'all gonna fall in love. Trust me. All right, green beans are done. Now we're gonna go ahead and get everything nicely plated. So let me go ahead and get a spoon first. Get a nice big spoon. 
get my potatoes on the plate. Mashed potatoes ready. Go ahead, let that drip off a bit. Clean our green beans. Lovely. A little more green beans will do. All right, green beans are done. Get our cornbread out. Oh, forgot one thing. Let's make this quick honey butter. It's the one thing about being in the kitchen. Sometimes you forget, but hey, we improvise. All right, honey butter, real simple. skillet mix a little bit of honey and that's it so while that's uh, starting to melt we can continue on plating shouldn't be an issue see we keep it moving in the cast iron podcast in this kitchen keeping it moving keeping it moving nice and brown just like my lady I don't care if that's corny all right let that butter melt a bit and I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna cut a piece of cornbread all right I have my trusty chef's knife let me go ahead sharpen it up real quick center nice and slice that way all right butter is starting to melt I'm gonna go ahead and add our honey perfect and that's it yeah, honey butter is done. Just gonna let that rest remaining butter melt. And then I'm going to take a cooking brush and I'm just gonna pour that over. Actually, no, first I'm gonna brush it over a bit just so it gets in all the cracks and crevices. Gently pour that over the cornbread. Done. And there we go. Nice honey butter cornbread. Mm. 
out. Ooh, that is perfectly plated, y'all. I can't wait for y'all to see this. Again, the only way you can see this is on my podcast. Well, not sorry, not on the podcast. The only way you'll be able to see this is if you go ahead and check my TikTok and my Instagram. All right, and we're done with the plating. And I just want to take a quick bite so you can hear just how crunchy this is. Oh my God. I mean, come on. What more can I say? I'm gonna be biased. Mm. My chicken is crunchy, it's seasoned perfectly. delicious so i'm pretty sure y'all can tell after that bite that that chicken was absolutely incredible i mean what more can i say i make some banging fried chicken and folks that's it for this month's edition of the cast iron podcast i really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a little something about the history of soul food and why it's important to the culture i'm also glad that you got to hear me in the kitchen make one of my favorite recipes if you got any recipes that you'd like me to try to make or if you just want to ask any general questions, reach out to me at cookingwithpatlee at gmail.com. That's cookingwithpatlee at gmail.com. Now, our next episode is going to be absolutely amazing as we're going to feature our very first guest on the Cast Iron Podcast. Now, I'm very excited to have this amazing woman on this channel because she's a small business owner, cake creator, and all-around culinary artist. She is the one and only Jessica Adams. Tune in to the next episode where we learn all about her culinary journey and pick her brain with some great questions and conversation. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. Don't forget to follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Cooking with Pat Lee. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Till next time, this is Chef Pat Lee, and I'm out.